churches not wanting to remain safe or rather try to protect their own safety than to keep the people of God safe. That's a tragic state of affairs. I, you know, I guess, I don't know, but several preachers have made the statement that they felt they had an obligation to address Supreme Court did this week. I don't really know that I feel that much of an obligation to address it. I think the church knows where I stand on the issue. And I don't think that any Supreme Court decision should cause us to change what we believe. The Supreme Court's been wrong before. several times they've been wrong. In fact, we had a civil war because they were wrong. They decided in the Dred Scott case that blacks were not human beings. That was the decision. Some of you don't even know that because you haven't been taught history, but it's a fact. They made that decision. I think it was about 1857 when they decided as a court, that blacks were not humans, and um, they were wrong. They were wrong. Uh, 1972, they decided that babies were not humans, and they were wrong. is going to be on. Fact. In fact, just get ready because they will start classifying preaching against homosexuality as hate speech. It's already happened in Canada. It's going to happen here. So just just get ready for that, right? Just, just be prepared for that. But I'm going to tell you it's not going to change what I preach. Can't. You know, we are we are faced with what what Peter said when he asked that rhetorical question: Is it better to obey God or man? The answer is simple. We stand on what God says. We stand on what God says. And in God's eyes, marriage is always has been and always will be one man and one woman. That's marriage. So they can redefine it any way they want to try to redefine it, but God still has a definition that stands true. And um, I will tell you, in fact, they've already tried it. They tried it before the Supreme Court case ever, ever was decided in October of last year. There was a city in Idaho that passed a city ordinance that ministers could not refuse to marry gay couples, and that if they did, they would be fined and perhaps imprisoned. Well, they passed that, caught a lot of flack over it, and backed down. But the fact is, they tried. And they will continue to try. Now, with the Supreme Court decision, I'm going to tell you it's going to be um, even more pressure. Just let it be known, let it be known that the way.
way we're going to deal with this is simply this. Now, I, I don't mind going to jail for preaching the truth. I really don't. If that's what it takes for me to preach truth, I'm not going to quit preaching truth. But I am going to tell you, I'm going to take every precaution I can to avoid that. Because I feel like I'll be more effective outside than I will inside. So here's how we take a precaution. Beginning now and from this point forward, we will only perform weddings for active members in good standing in this assembly. So don't, if you've got a friend that's not going to church, don't ask them to call me and see if I'll perform the wedding. It's just going to be standard practice that it will only be members in good standing. That protects us. Because no known homosexual will ever be a member in good standing of this church. Right? But we're not just discriminating against them because if they're a heterosexual couple who are not members of this church, we won't perform their wedding either. But these are these are the safeguards that we have to put in place. It's sad that it has to come to that. Uh, for years, ministers have used weddings as a means of outreach to reach out to couples. Um, but the times have changed. And we're not going to change our message, but we may have to change some methods. country was to, to preserve the laws of nature and nature's God. And we're a long way from that. In fact, I don't know how many of you saw, but, and, and I, I said I wasn't going to deal with it. I'm going to try not to, but, but anyhow, President Putin from Russia has condemned the United States as having moved away from God. It, this is a reverse in my lifetime. You know, when I was a kid, we used to talk about Russia as that godless country. And now they are talking about us as being godless. Things have changed. Things have changed. And, uh, not that I care too much what Russia thinks about us, but it's just... I'm going to be honest with you, church, and I, I, really, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I really don't, but, and I know you're standing. But you know, you've watched over 20 years. You know that I have been extremely patriotic. You know that I have, I have loved this country. I have promoted this country. But my feelings are changing. 
face was lit up in rainbow colors. Made me sick in my stomach. America's not what it once was. It's not what it once was. And unfortunately, what the flag once stood for, it just doesn't stand for that anymore. elected, they're not going to change things. In fact, someone pointed out, said, we're waiting for the judgment of God to fall on America because of this decision. But we might want to go back and read Romans 1 again. Because the Bible says that for this cause God gave them over to vile affections. That sounds like that is the judgment of God. And rather than waiting for God to judge us, I think God did. And now what we're waiting for are the consequences of that judgment. So, I don't know. Just pray for me. disheartened with my country, but I'm still encouraged with my God. So I'm going to tell you, the darker this world becomes, the brighter the light's going to shine. And God's not upset about any of this, and God's not even surprised by any of this. I'm telling you, God's still working His plan, and, and really, you've got to understand that in so many ways, the devil thinks he's smart, thinks that there are things that he can do to get ahead. But God uses every move the devil makes to end up furthering his own goals. And um, in the end, in the end, we know who's going to triumph. And our job is not to pray that God will be on our side but for us to pray that we'll be on God's side. And if we'll be on God's side, we're going to win. Now look, I'm not talking politically, you hear me? I'm not talking politically. I, I don't want to sound like a, a doomsday prophet, but I'm just telling you, politically, it's done. It's over. I told you that. I told you that two years ago. I was concerned six years ago 
was the first time that Barack Obama ran. But when it came time for his reelection, if you'll remember, I told you then if he's reelected, it's over for America. I told you that. And we're seeing it come to pass. It's done, all right? I don't care. Name your candidate. They're not going to fix it. It's over. It's over. So now we're just biding our time until the end. The thing we better do is get ready. We better lift up our heads because our redemption's drawing nigh. God's about to get us out of here. God is about to get us out of here. You hear me? We better get ready for it. We better prepare ourselves. Now's not the time to be straddling the fence. Now's not the time to be wavering in our faith. Now's not the time to see how much we can get by with. Now's the time to sell out to God. It's time for some all-night prayer meetings. It's time for some fasting. Not for God to change the country, but for God to change us. I believe in 2 Chronicles. I know you're standing, and I know this has nothing to do with my lesson. Lord, help me. I've got to get to my lesson, but I just got to say what I'm feeling too. But I believe in 2 Chronicles 7.14. In fact, I just used it recently. I believe in it. I believe if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will, will forgive their sin and heal their land. But now look. He didn't say anything about our nation. In fact, if you really read that verse when he says heal their land, he was talking about if they've gone through periods of drought. I mean, he was talking about the physical land of Israel. The principle still applies that if we will pray and we will humble ourselves and we will repent, God will forgive our sins and God will help us. But I'm not asking God to change America. America doesn't have a heart. America doesn't have a brain for God to reason with it. America doesn't have a heart for God to convict it. America doesn't have a spirit for God to save it. God deals with people. And what we need to be praying for are the people of America. Because I'm going to tell you, there, I don't care what the Supreme Court said, there are a lot of Americans that disagree and a lot of Americans that are upset by what has happened. And I'm going to tell you, if we can reach them, not with a message of politics, but with a message of salvation, this is our hour. This is our time. Hallelujah. Let the church be the church. Let the church be the church. Oh, praise God. Let's be the church. Let's get back to the business of saving souls. Praise God. Be seated. I don't know when I'll get to... I'll try to get to my notes. I don't know. I don't know that I want you to leave just yet, Sister Becca. So just, 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 just play for a minute more, would you? But, but, but hear me. I, you know, there, there is a false doctrine that has pervaded Pentecost, and it's called dominion theology or kingdom now. And they are teaching, they're teaching that, that Christians, that apostolics are going to assume places of prominence and take over governments and bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. What a bunch of nonsense. I just wonder if they're preaching it as loud today as they were last Sunday. Doesn't look like Christians are having much influence. Well, hallelujah. Doesn't look like we're changing much. So I'm going to tell you what we better do. We better get our eyes off of politics, off of political parties, off of candidates. 
get our eyes back on God and on the harvest field. The harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. And that's where we're lacking. We're not lacking. We're not lacking a spirit of revival. Listen to me, church. We, we don't need to pray for God to send a revival. We need to pray for God to send laborers. That's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labor. Not that he would send a harvest. He's already declared the harvest is ripe. Are you hearing me today? Jesus, Jesus stated 2,000 years ago that the harvest is ripe. We don't have to pray for a harvest. We've got to pray for laborers. But let me tell you, when you're praying for laborers, don't pray, God, send my brother. Send my sister. Send the person in the other pew. Oh, I feel this this morning. I know I haven't read a text yet, but I feel what I'm saying. You know what our prayer has got to become? Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everywhere we go, church, everything we do, I'm telling you, just this week I, I, I went to, to do a little car shopping and, and ended up spending, I don't know how much time, probably an hour or more talking Bible to the salesman and then found out at the end of that that he lives right around the corner from my house. Supposed to set up a Bible study with him as soon as I get back from my next trip. Um, I'll be preaching for Brother John's here in just a few days, but but when I get back from there, I'm supposed to set up a Bible study. And I'm telling you, th these were his words. He said, I can't explain it, but I just feel like something big is about to take place. And I said, you're right, it is. It is. Something big is about to happen. And I'll tell you what it is. The trumpet is about to sound. And I believe God is stirring the hearts of those that are hungry. Oh, I hope you're hearing me today. God is stirring the hearts of those that are hungry. And while we sit around and argue about standards and argue about this, argue about that, we don't like this, we don't want to do that, God is looking at a hungry world. And there are people, I'm telling you, that are ready to serve God that are not going to care. Just preach it, preacher. I'll do it. Just help me to get my family straightened out. Help me to get my life straightened out. So much of Pentecost sits around and fusses about how long the sleeve ought to be, or can I get by with this, or can I do that, or can I listen to this, or can I watch that. Look, it's time for us to sell out to God. Quit trying to do the least that you can do. I'm glad Jesus didn't come and do the least that he could do. And if, if we're going to reach this world, we're going to have to do it the way Jesus did. We're going to have to pour everything we've got into it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When's the last time you've been moved to tears for somebody that's lost? When's the last time that you have cried out in desperation? I'm not talking about just your family. I'm talking about your neighbors. I'm talking about your coworkers. I'm talking about the people you meet in the stores. When's the last time you've shed tears over their soul? When's the last time it kept you up at night? When's the last time that at midnight you were on your knees? You were crying out to God. When's the last time it's happened? I'm going to tell you, church, it is time 
it's time for us as a people to understand what 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 is happening to understand it is high time that we awake out of our sleep and recognize that now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed come on Olathe is waiting on us. Johnson County is waiting on us. Kansas City is waiting on us. We're not sitting here waiting on them. They're waiting on us. Oh, Lord, help me today. I didn't intend to go this way, but, but I'm just telling you, I'm stirred in my spirit today. Not so much about what the Supreme Court did, but what we're not doing. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. We're worried. We're worried. If I talk to them, I may not know how to answer them. What difference does that make? You tell them what God did in your life. If they're not interested, go find somebody else. The hour's too late. The hour's too late for us to sit around and write up our excuses as to why we can't win the lost. We gotta get busy. We've got to get busy. Hallelujah. My Lord. At the age of 12, at the age of 12, Jesus' parents looked around as they were traveling home said he's not with us where is he what happened to him I could preach a while right there because I wonder how many times that we've been busy about our own things and just left Jesus behind we've been so occupied with what we want to do with what we want to experience with what we want to enjoy that that Jesus is nowhere in the midst of our activities so his parents are on their way back home and realize he's not there. They turn around. They go back to Jerusalem. They search frantically. Finally, they find him in the temple teaching. His mother, of course, was distraught as any mother would be. I know that feeling. I know what it's like to look around and your kids are not there. And you wonder what happened. Where are they? We, we, we've searched frantically. J.D. can tell you the twins are, are, are masters at hide-and-seek. If they want to hide, they can go hide and not hardly even breathe. And you can scream frantically for them. They're not going to answer. They're not coming out of hiding. I know what it's like to be running through the house, going down into the basement, going outside, hollering their names. I can only imagine what Mary must have felt like. But when she gets there, Jesus is not flustered. He's 12 years old. But he says to her, don't you understand? I've got to be about my father's business. At the age of 12, there was an urgency in his heart. Where are we? What's happening with us? Is anybody hearing me today? Anybody feeling my heartbeat today? Look, this is not rebuke. This is challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us to, to, to come to grips with our calling. God didn't call you to just sit on a pew. God didn't put you in the church just so you could make up a number. But God's got you here for a purpose. He's got you here for a reason. And that reason is found in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you shall be. What? What? He didn't say shouters, did he? He didn't say praisers, did he? He didn't say hand clappers. I believe in all of that. But that's what we do. It's not who we are. Who 
we are because he didn't say and you shall witness for me or again that would be what we do but he said you shall be witnesses that's who we are that's who we are that's who we are that is my calling that is my purpose well hallelujah feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. That is my job. You know, the Apostle Paul said, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Because he had a calling to preach. But can I take that same statement and apply it to each one of us? Because each of you also have a calling. It's not a calling to fill a pulpit, but it's a calling to reach a heart. And somehow we've got to get a revelation. Woe is me if I don't take this gospel. If I don't witness to others. If I don't share with others. Oh, hallelujah. Church, do you understand that the hour is late? Do you really understand that's what's happening around us? I'm going to tell you, things are messed up out there. They're messed up. I had this conversation with someone recently, and we'll be talking about it more in future days, but, but I'm, I'm finding that technology goes far beyond what I even imagined. There are things... I can do with this phone I didn't even know I could do. I, you know, I've got a few little games on my phone sometimes, especially sitting on the airplane all these long hours. Uh, I enjoy playing a little game, and I, I had no idea that from the game you could enter into chat rooms with people you don't even know. And our kids are doing it. And it's dangerous. You hear me? It's dangerous. You know, I, way back, way back, I know this is prehistoric for most of you, but I, I used to be, used to be kind of a cutting edge type guy. Brother Coffin, I really, I was, when, when computers first came, I had one of the first computers, one of those that ran off of a cassette. That was probably before your time. Okay, all right, I'm looking at the wrong guy. But, I mean, literally, you, you put a cassette in a cassette player and you hooked the wires up and, and you had to have a little monitor and it, it just kind of ran some code and, and, and I had one of those. And then as it evolved, one of the first PCs, personal computers that came out, I had one. This is before the days of a hard drive. We didn't know what a hard drive was. And we had five and a half inch floppy disks. And if when, when they came out with a machine that ran two floppy disks, that was major. And... Uh, I, I really, I was kind of a cutting-edge guy. I, I know Josh and Jared may find this hard to believe, but the fact is, at one time, I actually built computers. They, they weren't that difficult. They weren't that complicated. And, 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 and I, I actually built a few of those and sold them. And I, I, had, I had preachers, this is the truth, and preachers all over the country calling me. So what do you do about this? How do you deal with this? And I'd walk them through it. My wife could tell you. Just said, oh, well, you do this, this. i just walk them through it. Somewhere along the way, it left me in the dust. I don't have a clue anymore. I am absolutely clueless with technology now. And I'm telling you, I'm finding things out I didn't know. But I started to say way back, way back, when the Internet first started becoming available, they had a, a deal called AOL, America Online. And then they had, they had CompuServe. And these were the two main companies that you had to dial up into an internet provider. And, and uh, it was slow as Christmas. 
Uh, but back then, at, when it first started, they created chat rooms. And, and you could go in there under any kind of a name. You could disguise yourself any way you wanted to. And, and I began to realize these were some of the most dangerous places you could ever encounter. Because people did not have to admit who they were. They were under an assumed identity. They could be anybody. They could be some of the most perverted, twisted people in the world. And you didn't know it. And you're talking to them. And you're carrying on conversations with them. And, and very early on, I began preaching against chat rooms. Stay out of chat rooms. We don't, we don't, we don't go into chat rooms. But then, you know, the time came that I, I kind of felt like that didn't even exist anymore. You know, it, it all went beyond that. And, and so I didn't preach it. But I'm finding that it's not gone. It's just moved locations. And I'm going to tell you, parents, you really need to be aware. You need to be aware. You hear me? You need to be aware. I, don't, I know your kids are going to say you're being nosy, but I'm telling you, you've got an obligation to set guidelines. and Don't just hand them a phone and let them have access to anything. You listen to me. Listen to me. If you just give them a phone and give them unlimited access to anything, what you've just done is to hand them a revolver and said, play Russian roulette. You just keep pulling the trigger. Are you hearing me today? You better set some controls. You better set some guidelines. You better be checking on things. You better find out what they're doing, who they're talking to. And it's not just the phones, the whole, the Xbox and the whatever's out there. I don't even know. PS20, or I don't, I don't know what they've got. I have no idea. But, but from what I understand now, all of those things have these, these capabilities where you can chat back and forth with people you don't even know. Parents, hear me. You allow your kids to do that, you don't know who the pervert is. That's going to get on there and pretend to be their age. Oh, it's not going to happen to my kids. Yes, it will if it hasn't already. I, I'm, I'm concerned. Listen, I'm concerned. I know it makes me sound like an old fogey, but I care about your kids. This is a wicked and an evil generation we're living in. You know, when I was a kid, it was popular. Uh, they, they had these Ouija boards. They've made a resurgence, I understand, in the last few years. But, but as, as a kid, we had them. And some of you that were raised in the church may not even know what I'm talking about. But, but it, it just had this little board that you opened. And, and it had, all, had yes and no answers and different things around the board. And had a little triangle you set in the center. And everybody would put their hands on the triangle. And they'd ask questions. And the thing would just move and give them answers. And it really, I know that to many kids they thought it's just a game. But it really was the practice of magic. It, it, was, it was a demonic influence. And even if there were no demons involved, it was pointing kids in that direction. And I know many times kids would just move it where they wanted it to go or whatever. But there were reports of the thing moving on its own. I do think that there were times that kids opened themselves up to spirits because you don't play with that kind of thing without getting burnt. Now, the latest, I understand, is a new game where they're taking pencils and they're just drawing a, a cross in the middle of the page. They're writing yeses and noes. And they put the pencil there over the cross and and then they ask questions and the pencil moves and answers the questions the same deal and they're calling it Charlie Charlie can I tell you I found out some of our kids have played that game in this church it's demonic it's not fun 
This is demonic stuff. I, I know, I know, and, and you can read all these people saying, oh, it's just gravity, it's just gravity. You know, I don't care if it is just gravity. The whole premise is you're talking to spirits. Why do you even want them to play that way? Parents, look, you need to go home and have a talk with your kids. You need to find out if they've done these things, if they've been involved in these things. Do you want to open your home to these kinds of spirits? I don't know how I got into all this, but here I am. I won't get to the book of Matthew today, and I thought I was going to finish it today. I won't get there today. But I'm just telling you, we need to, we need to find out. This is a wicked age. And I believe that what has happened, because listen to me, listen to me. This is the way God works. I've taught on this. I've taught it extensively. But God works through principles of authority. And so does the devil. And when the authorities of this land start calling evil good and good evil, they are opening the door for more and more demonic influence. You hear me? We, we are not, that's why I say we're not living in the same America we were living in. This is not the same place. Doors have been opened. Spiritual doors have been opened. And we had better wake up and realize we'd better get about the business of saving our families. Oh, I know they might throw a fit, but I'm going to tell you, it'd be better for them to throw a fit than to be thrown into the pit. We better get about the business of saving our children, getting them out of this garbage, getting them away from this stuff. And we better get about the business of saving the lost around us. God put you where you are. My wife reminded me last night after this I, I was telling her some of this conversation with this salesman and found out he lives literally just around the corner from us. And she said, I don't know if you remember, but 19 years ago when we moved in this house, you prayed, God, let us win some of our neighbors. You know, it's an amazing thing. I met him clear over way out on the north side of Overland Park and find out he lives around the corner from my house. But God led me to him. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that with all of my heart. Somehow, church, we've got to wake up. We've got to realize God put you where you are for a reason. There's a reason. There's a purpose. And even if you jumped out of the will of God and did something God didn't want you to do, God will still take that if you'll humble yourself before him and ask you. Somebody said, well, I don't know if I should have got this house. Well, maybe you shouldn't. But you're there. And God can take that situation. Look, look. When Joseph was in prison, he still touched a heart. It took years for the man to remember. But his heart was touched nonetheless. You think Joseph wanted to be in prison? Of course not. But God had a man Joseph needed to meet. Jesus looked at his disciples. They were in the midst of a great revival. Look, it was a great revival. In fact, the Bible says in, in John chapter 3 that it, it closes out by saying that they, or maybe the first part of chapter 4 um, of John, but right there in, in, in that time frame, right around that situation, um, I'm looking quickly because I want to get it right, but I think it, it actually may be the first few verses of John chapter 4 the statement is made about the great revival that Jesus and his disciples were having yes John chapter 4 and verse 1 that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John had John had made a lot of disciples John had baptized a lot of disciples but Jesus was in the midst of a great revival and right in the middle of that revival he looked at his disciples and said I must needs go through Samaria. The disciples didn't want to be in Samaria. They had no desire to go to Samaria. You hear me? They were prejudiced. They were prejudiced. 
They didn't like Samaritans. In fact, it's worse than not liking them. They hated Samaritans. They despised Samaritans. But Jesus said, I, I, I got to go. I, I got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Through Samaria. So in spite of the fact the disciples didn't want to be there, there was a revival to be had there. And what a revival. Now, it didn't start with the best of individuals, you understand. The woman at the well wasn't the high class. You know, she, she wasn't the mayor of the city. There was a reason she was at the well by herself. She didn't want to face others. She was living a life that even the Samaritans disapproved of. She'd been married a number of times and was now living with a man she was not married to. Even the Samaritans didn't approve of that. They looked down on her. She didn't want to face any of her neighbors or friends. And so she went to the well alone. Only to be met there by Jesus Christ. And he strikes up a conversation with her that does something. Now, he didn't condone her lifestyle. And this, this is, look, this is troubling me because a lot of churches, a lot of Christian organizations are saying, well, we don't agree with the decision, but we got to love everybody. Well, I understand we got to love everybody, but that doesn't mean we got to be mealy-mouthed about what the Bible says. doesn't mean we got to hide our opinion on the Scripture. So Jesus just flat told her, he said, I want you to go get your husband. She said, oh, I, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. Because you've had several of them, and the one you're with now is not your husband. So yeah, you said well. And she said, I perceive you're a prophet. And so she starts trying to talk Scripture with him. I'm going to tell you, by the time it was over, this woman, the Bible says that she left her water pot. The very thing she had come to the well to do, she forgot about it. I got more important business. She went back into the city of Samaria and began to tell them, come and see a man that told me all things. Now, wait, wait, wait. She was at the well because she didn't want to talk to anybody. She was at the well because she was embarrassed and ashamed. But all of a sudden, she's not embarrassed anymore. And she's not ashamed anymore. She is so stirred up by what she heard. And do you know that the Bible says the whole city came out to hear him? One person. One person. He found one person and reach the entire city. Saint of God, is that one person your next door neighbor? Is that one person your coworker? Is that one person your boss? Is that one person, the lady that's checking you out at Walmart? Is that one person trying to do business with things aren't working too well could they be the one person that would cause the whole city to come out oh I hope I hope I'm talking to somebody today I hope somebody's listening to the pastor today I hope you're hearing my heart today I know I've been all over it's been kind of shotgun but I really am on the same topic. We, we gotta, we, we've got to win those around us. We've got to win our family. We've got to win our family. You hear me? W would you say that Noah was a success? Would anybody here say that Noah was a success? Do you, you believe he was a success? How many people did Noah win? just seven he was number eight but he was a success 
And who were those seven? Were they his neighbors? Were they his co-workers? But we say he's a success. And yet the only people he won were his wife, his three sons, and their wives. But he was a success. Because he did what God told him to do. Was Ananias a success? I only know of one person Ananias ever won to God. But he was a success. For Noah, it was reaching his family. For Ananias, it was reaching that guy that hates, absolutely hates apostolics. Absolutely despises apostolics. In fact, he's having them put in prison and even put to death. But for Ananias, this is your job. You win this man. Because he's a chosen vessel, God said. He's going to stand before kings. He's, this man's going to do something. This man's going to do something. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. There may very well be an Apostle Paul right here in the city of Olathe. God knows I need some help in Africa, but you know what? The person I need to help me may be waiting on us to find him right here in this city. He may become the apostle to the continent. The hour's dark. The evening shadows are lengthening fast. Someone said, when small men start casting large shadows, you know it's late in the evening. And that's what's just happened this week. Just a handful, just a handful have cast such a shadow over this country. But do you know what that means? It means the sun's setting. It means the day is almost over. It means we got to work while it is day because the night's coming and we're not going to be able to work. God, stir something in my heart. Stir something in the hearts of this people. Let us go forth from this place with our minds made up. We've got a city to reach. We've got a county that's been placed in our care. We've got a metropolitan area that numbers into the millions. They're out there. They're waiting. I want you to listen. I want you to listen closely. Do you hear that cry? Somebody help me. Somebody show me the way. My life's in a mess. My family's falling apart. There's got to be an answer somewhere. Anybody hear that cry? I hear it so clear, Brother Merriman. I hear it. I can hear it so clear. Where are you? Where are you? I want help. I don't know where to turn. If there's a God in heaven, send somebody to my house. I'm telling you, last night someone stayed awake. Last night someone was unable to sleep. Worried. 
in despair, perhaps on the verge of suicide. God, I don't know where else to turn. There's got to be somebody somewhere that can help me. Can you hear that cry, child of God? that cry. I've read stories just recently of people just passing by places and hearing a faint cry, help, please help. Go and find someone buried under a pile of rubble or in a wrecked car that's hidden in some kind of ravine. I'm going to tell you that's what's going on in the spirit realm this morning. I'm going to tell you that's why I couldn't get to my notes because there are some cries that are going up throughout this city and around this area. They're saying, help me. Somebody please help me. Somebody please find me. I'm over here. I'm over here. Look around you. I know you're busy. I know you've got other things going on, but look around you. I'm here. I'm here. Hear me, saints of God. Some of you don't even recognize the hand of God that rests upon you. But God... Oh, I feel this. The hand of God is on you. And God is going to use you, wants to use you as a soul winner. But you're so distracted with all the cares of life. You're so distracted with all of your own problems and worries that you're literally walking right by those are about to slip into eternity. You say, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. Yeah, I know, I know. Those are the kind of folks God uses. That's what I preached about last Sunday night. It's because you're small. You're small in your eyes, but that makes God big. And God's looking for folks that still see themselves as small. And he said, come on, can you hear? Can you hear? God's hearing it. And God stirred this preacher up this morning to come and tell you. I don't want to miss them, God. Come on, there are people out there that are hurting. There are young people that are being abused. And they're saying, how can this be? How can this happen? Surely somebody loves me. Surely somebody cares about me. Surely not everybody in this world just wants to use me. They're waiting on you to find them. To show them what real love is. Does anybody feel like praying right now? Does anybody feel like crying out to God? Saying, God, help me.
but we need to lift our voices, saints of God. We don't need to just muffle our, our mouths in the pew or on the altar bench, but we need to lift our voices. We need God to help us today. We need to leave this place changed, not what we were. But God, give me the spiritual ears to hear. Give me the ears to hear, God. Give me the ears to hear. I don't want to just walk on by. I don't want to just walk on by. I don't want to be like the rabbi, like the to the Levite. I, I don't want to be like them. That man is lying there half dead and me just walk by. But let me be like that good Samaritan to go and bind up their wounds. Put them on my own animal. Take them to the inn. Take care of them. Somewhere along the line, somebody found a sinner. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I'm glad they found me. Just an 11 year old boy without much of anything, but they found me. I'm so glad they found me. through this 